Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shrink Chat with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. We both watched the Joe Bob uh, Valentine's Day special together. We certainly did. It's been a bit now. Yeah, with a few other folks. I know um, in our Patreon Discord, Ice and Blue and Snake were all there. That's who I remember. How did you? I don't think you've ever watched a Joe Bob live before. I yeah, know I did the oh, Halloween. I did the Halloween one with all of you too. Cool. I what think did, it was the Halloween one. Yeah, I don't remember which one it was. I I did feel like there was one other one, and I couldn't remember yeah. which. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, Joe Bob Briggs is a character that is a horror host, and he does live. He has seasons. He's just about to start another season here in a couple of months, I think. Um, and where every Friday night, all of us horror hounds get together and watch it live. And on the Discord, we hang out and chitty chat and make comments and stuff along the way and enjoy Joe Bob. And, you know, people will fry up wings and make snacks and what we all watch together virtually. And but the rest of the year, he'll him and Dar- he and Darcy will do specials. So they did a Halloween special and a Christmas special and. That's what it was. it was. The Christmas one I watched with you when they did the, um, what do you call it? They did all the raising all the money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. They were bidding. That's right. They did some. <laughs> Those Santa movies were great. They did some philanthropy where they were um, auctioning off their own like signed, really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And they made a lot of money. I don't know if you followed that afterwards, but like a couple of the different they did, things they, were they like made eight or ton. 10 grand each thing. So that's amazing. And every time they would auction something off, it would be um, for a different charity, which I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Valentine's Day. No auctions this time. There were two movies that they did. And one of the things that is fun about this is that they don't announce the movies. So sometimes like a week before they'll announce the guest. So we all knew that Anna, one of the filmmakers was going to be on. So then we guessed the film Mm -hmm. and on Twitter and on the discord, people are guess. It's part of the fun. It's like, we're guessing what they are. What do you think it's going to be? And then Darcy on Twitter will talk about, you know, like she'll ask for, she'll give little clues and they kind of troll us. <laughs> the clues are often not very much of a clue or they're a total misdirect. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the two movies this time were uh, Tammy and the T-Rex Ugh. and the love witch and the love, Witch. um, the filmmaker was on there and was interviewed. So those were the two movies. What did you, did you have fun? I always have fun watching him live. Um, and Darcy and their banter. Yeah. It was great. She's always like the the petty girl in the corner, like, shut up. <laughs> for, for pe- I love her. For people who have never watched him live before or watched him in general, because you can watch them on demand as well if you have Shudder. Um, he's so knowledgeable, but he does it in a way that's so much fun. I mean, he will. I just I'm going to talk about another film in the episode that I watched that was uh, the Joe Bob version of it. And on break, he like fills you in with stuff. And there are times where you're watching like, wow, that looks like it was influenced by that makeup artist. Then he breaks and he's like, (laughs) if you saw the movie such and such the makeup, I'm like, I know like he does stuff like that. And I just love if you're a horror buff, he gives you all that useless knowledge. Oh, totally. And then more Mm -hmm. (laughs) that as everyone will know, I won't remember, but 
what I so there's always an intro. He's always does a chunk where there's an intro, and then there's always an outro where they do like skits or more knowledge, or they give away stuff. They mm-hmm. give the silver bolo, um, and then in the middle of the movie, depending on how long the movie will be, there'll be you know two or three different breakaways. Kind of like if you guys are old enough to remember Elvira mm-hmm. or any of the sort of more vintage. That's what it reminds me of horror hosts. Yeah. Although Elvira was her whole thing was being vapid, yeah, <laughs> vapid and funny, like kind of like we, and it would be like more jokes. And although Joe Bob is very funny, it's more. Um, esoteric he would not want me to call it that but like he's got more knowledge and he says a lot of yeah, stuff he brings a lot of really good stuff so you can re-watch the episodes on shutter all the seasons and i'm looking forward to the season coming up because that's how i got introduced to discord and to joe bob and to shutter really is that i started attending on the discord like watch alongs for joe bob and he'll also bring the oddest films that without watching it with him you probably wouldn't finish, but he always brings like these artistic elements to the most bizarre film. And some of them are just outright terrible, but there are, there are some that are just cult classics. They're con- many of them are incredibly controversial films to be quite honest. Absolutely. And he'll talk about, you know, the, the culture or the climate or whatever, when that film came out and if it was like banned in certain countries and why. And I, I mean, there's some, I think blood sucking freaks was um, a really good example of that one. I mean, it is horrific and painful to watch, but then he comes in and gives all of these facts about it and you're just kind of blown away. You see it differently. Yeah. It gives some context. Plus some of the movies, like I have watched some very bizarre movies and some very difficult movies like cannibal Holocaust mm-hmm. and Tetsuo and, uh, some other ones that are very like things I would never, like you said, I would never right. watch them. And I certainly wouldn't really get through them probably, but his whole thing is Joe Bob Briggs, the drive-in will never die. Right. That's his whole thing. So it's drive-in movies. So it's movies that you're out in the back roads of Texas and you go up to the drive-in and that's the movies they're showing for a dollar type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of them are, gems forgotten gems um but there are also things that marked history in horror a mm-hmm. lot of times but if you you'll find that some of the movies that maybe you don't like or are ba- considered bad or whatever are some of his favorite movies <laughs> T- tammy and the like t-rex tammy is, and the t-rex yeah i that one i i can't i mean i, I tried i love it yeah i can't i mean there are moments of it that are really flipping funny um but about Three quarters of the way in, I was like, oh, okay, it can end. Yeah, it's a 90s. For those of you who don't know, um, it's a 90s movie. Denise Richards is in Paul, it. And Paul Walker. And Paul Walker's in it. And they're the love interests. And uh, it's, a, it's a horror comedy. So if you don't like horror comedy and if you don't like 90s horror comedy, it was got a very, mm-hmm. I mean, it's very... Uh, um, in its time (laughs) and it's goofy and goofball and totally unbelievable and all of that. But I don't know. It's fun. It's, it's actually a fun one for a group watch. Yeah, it is because a lot of people have fun bagging on it, but it's also like funny and light and, and there's some good, I mean, there's some cult horror stars in that movie too. The guy who plays the scientist and, yeah, Weekend at Bernie's is in there. And <laughs> Isaac from Children of the Corn is in there. Yeah, you guys were calling him out. Yeah. I thought people had some fun watching that. We had fun watching it together. And then The Love Witch was more serious. There was a lot of hysterical death foo in that one. 
little giallo foo. <laughs> what I really liked was the filmmaker. She was fantastic. Yeah. And unapologetic about how artistic and out there and how she's pulled from, you know, so many decades of, of horror and psychological thriller. And even the way that she talked about only wanting to use 35 millimeter. I mean, she was fascinating. Yeah. She only shoots on 35 millimeter, which as you guys know, is, is archaic at this point. Um, but it's, but that movie, you know, it's a, it was shot in, it came out in 2016. It's considered a horror comedy. It's two hours long, which is rare these days for horror. But it looks like it was made in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. The visuals were gorgeous. Mm-hmm. There was all this red palette, pink palette, purple palette, and all having to do with this um, kind of siren woman. Um I really like the filmmaker. I'm very curious to see what else she does. I have to say that for me, the movie was a little bit too preachy than I like my, mm-hmm. there were sort of stop downs and then a little bit of a lecture within the dialogue that mm-hmm. I was not, this is not my thing, but, um, but think, yeah, again, the listening to the filmmaker gave it a lot of context and made me appreciate it more. Right. So, right. Yeah. It was really interesting to hear her talk about, um, he had asked if it was a feminist film and she's like, I think it's interesting because it's a about women and it's from a woman's perspective that some would inherently deem that as feminist, but, and, and just sort of how, you know, anytime, because female filmmakers are fewer that if it's made by a female and the female is the lead, then it's a feminist film. And, and, you know, there are a lot of, I, I think even some of those uh, messages you're talking about though, Shannon, like where it kind of gets preachy. Mm-hmm. I think some of that though is a little tongue in cheek. I don't think all of it is supposed well, to be it is supposed to be a horror comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that a lot of those lectures are coming from a, a, a psycho witch right. in the movie. So right. I get that. Yeah. It's just, I didn't land completely. Yeah, for me. I, my, me neither. I think it, there was too much of it for me. Well, um, and maybe just because I, I get, I get why there was that impulse, mm-hmm. and I, and it was a, I mean, from a technical standpoint, the film was so gorgeous. Well, that was what I enjoyed about it most. Me too. Was the, and the, the filmmaker interview. Yeah, the visual. Yeah, mm-hmm. the visual was certainly uh, overwhelming to me, like in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so stunning, and then I, you know. But for me, like you said, if those things were supposed to be tongue in cheek and all of that, it didn't mm-hmm. land for me personally. Like it felt I didn't too think serious. It was funny. Yeah, it felt too serious. I just it felt like a two hour painting. I mean, it was beautiful for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I have certainly um, watched so many films that were more. It's more artistic, and I, not everybody likes artistic horror. I think the the funniest part to me though was every time she slept with one of the men, they would have like break, like emotional breakdowns the and death, foo, the hysterical death foo I call right. it, but that's the great thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the such that you're absolutely right. That's so great. I'm glad you bring it up because the idea behind it is that, um, she, uh, puts a spell on these men and then the men literally die of emotion which is how she's turning that trope on its end is usually the women die of being, you know, we're accused of being emotional, et cetera. So she just took that six steps ahead, made the men, the victims, there's this siren kind of psycho, witch with this really flat affect and she's very beautiful and she seduces these men and then they die a hysterical death. They mm-hmm. literally die of like crying desire and emotion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that, those parts were funny to me. Um, 
because the men were very melodramatic doing it. Yeah, they were. Um, and that's why I was joking about how it was like hysterical death foo. And she talks about that too. She said, you know, it's my, it's just sort of the idea of if men could, if they allowed themselves to feel that much, would it actually destroy them? Right. You know, it was the question she was asking again from an intellectual standpoint. I totally enjoy this film from a, just purely watching it. If you didn't, if I didn't know anything about it, I had a hard time. Yeah. And then there also just one last thing. There was this point in the movie where they took a sharp left to the Ren Fair. Oh, <laughs> and it was pretty and then funny. Joe Bob did it. Yeah, <laughs> and then Joe Bob was dressed, and they did a skit of him and Darcy at the Ren Fair. Thank God they did that because you really have to make fun of that part because there was we're watching along, we're watching along. Everyone's being very complimentary and talking in our Discord, and then all of a sudden, it was the Ren Fair, and I was like, I think. Um, I was following along in two other discords, two other bigger discords as well, because I have friends in a, f- a few different communities. And at one point, I think I dropped a gift that was just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, yeah. <laughs> because it, it was, a, and everyone across all the discords was like, um, <laughs> we've, we've gone to the Ren Fair and we don't, we've left the building. Yeah. We don't know what's happening. So anyway, yeah, it's for me, it's flawed in some ways, but I also enjoyed it. So I don't know. So that's a great example of what Kathy was saying earlier of that. If you watch something in the watch alongs together and with Joe, Bob and Darcy, who are mm-hmm. also very active on Twitter and that makes that fun. And mm-hmm. it makes for a better movie experience. You can get through things and appreciate things that you wouldn't normally appreciate so we had a lot of fun and again we we do that on our on our discord um every time it happens i'm there i'm there in my chair so next on the show there's a little segment we like to call that was horror facts with kath not to be mistaken with the trivia with shan on our (laughs) patreon page that's right that's right which we recorded just before we did this episode and you know stay tuned if you're a patron are you ready for this That's such a loaded question. Like, are question. you really ready for this? Okay. You want me to put my big girl panties on? I'm sat up. Sat Number up. one. Yes. The director of this film was a teenager when he wrote it. Number two. This is the first movie to win an Academy Award for Best Makeup. Number Trace. The main actor spent 10 hours getting makeup applied, five hours on set, and three hours in makeup removal. That's the hero? That's the main guy. Okay. Number four, when the film was released, it was touted as being from a famous... Sorry, let me try that again. <laughs> Did you? Could you read your right? I put a T... No, I just put a T at the end of famous, and I said famous, famous and then it messed up the whole thing. <laughs> nice. Okay, when the film was released, it was touted as being from a famous 80s comedy director. So people went to see it thinking it was a comedy, and they were seen running from the cinemas as they were terrified by parts of the film. (laughs) When I first read that, I was laughing. I just imagined people, because, you know, if you think this is is 80s, right? And so there was more. Now, like, people aren't shocked by anything. But I just imagined people going, paying a ticket, that they're going to see a comedy, and then you just hear, ah! Because there's no internet. No. So all they know is word of mouth. That's so awesome. From the paper. That's right. right. Oh, that's hilarious. And then the last one. (laughs) This movie actually inspired the music video thriller. Oh, how funny. 
I was going to say Nightmare on Elm Street. American Werewolf in Paris. Oh, yeah. Good one. Yeah. In Paris, huh? Yep. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I believe you had uh, a documentary that you saw that you wanted to share. Hold on. Oh. Wait a second, please. I want to make sure it was not London because there's Paris also. Okay. Um, you want me to look it up while you talk about the documentary? I think it's got to be London because that was 1981. Okay. Yeah, Paris was not till ni- 1997. My apologies. American Werewolf in London. I don't okay. know why my, why I wrote that. Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe you want to go to France. Nope. I'd rather go to London. Okay. So... <laughs> Cool. What were you asking me to do now? Your documentary. Oh, yeah. I watched um, the Framing Britney Spears. Oh, yeah. So I thought this was really powerful, and I'm so glad that it was done because, um, you know, first of all, I've worked with people who are in conservatorships, and uh, it's usually people who really are deemed uh, dependent adults. And so I think what it did is um, they did a – there was an episode of The View that they talked about it as well and and really talked about how – um, everyone failed her. Everyone from um, her own family to Justin Timberlake to her managers to her other boyfriends to the public. Um, how you know? I think there's a huge mental health piece and social piece to this um, documentary, and clearly it's about Britney. But I think it does represent a lot of young women who go into this industry young, and they were showing how even from the age of eleven. They were asking her, what's his face from Star uh, Star Search, asked, you know, if she had a boyfriend and then at like, you know, 15 or 16, she's interviewing and they're asking her if she's a virgin and everything is so hypersexualized and there's this buildup and then she gets, you know, penalized for being a pretty girl um, and being talented and, you know, how everyone sort of followed Justin Timberlake's narrative that she did something to him and da, 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 da. All the while her father's controlling the entire, um, her entire career all the way into her adulthood. And even now, which is what she's in court for at this moment. But it, I think it really just, um, paints how somebody's mental health when you don't have the right people and the right support system around you and then you have the public and you have the media um how you can break down over time and and those of you who remember britney and and the the infamous shaving of the head and the umbrella where she hit the paparazzi like no one ever talked about that she was actually suffering from postpartum depression at that time and so you know they deemed her as bipolar and they called her crazy and it really 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 like it was a hard documentary to watch but i think everyone needs to see it yeah i've heard really good things i Mm -hmm. haven't had a chance to watch it i know it's on hulu so yeah and um, by the time this episode releases i'm sure a lot of people have already seen it but um it just it yeah just really it is devastating i mean she was treated like a doll and like an object um yeah yeah. i always liked i actually always i really like britney's dance music i always Mm -hmm. have i I have unapologetically always enjoyed her her dance music and Two things. One, I happen to be, you brought it up. I hadn't even thought of this, but um, think when I think of Britney Spears, two things. One is I, when I was working on Spring of the Teenage Witch, she came on the show and mm-hmm. I actually have like a signed picture from her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this, what's amazing about that is that the signed picture is her with brown hair. Wow. It's like when she, like a, she was not famous. Yeah. So that, that's a really vivid memory for me. It must've been the first season or something. But then the other memory is that I was working 
later I was a massage therapist and I was working at the Mondrian um, during the time that this, um, where she was really struggling and in the news and a lot of what you're describing was happening. And I remember the the postpartum stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And she shaved her head. Yeah. That was one of those moments Mm -hmm. for the paparazzi that they, they just, they took off. And I, and I remember, I don't know if it was the day of or the week of or whatever, but right around that time, and she was a regular there. She came to the pool area, and I worked right off the pool area. And so she ha- she was there with her friends or what have you, laying out and stuff, and um, with her shaved head. And I just I just remember seeing her and and how the paparazzi was there, not at the poolside because they would never let that happen. But mm-hmm. they were right outside. Um, we used to have a lot of famous people that would go there and they would, there would always be paparazzi in the, <laughs> I'm leaving for work. Like, you know, I'm nobody. Leave me alone. You know, <laughs> Shannon, Shannon, we know <laughs> no. you're going to have this amazing podcast in like 40 years. <laughs> oh God. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I just remember that. And I, I remember then how disconnected yeah. it felt for me of what I would read in the daily rags yeah. and then seeing her there with yeah. her friends and she seemed okay. Like from a distance, like I didn't know her obviously, but she was there and smiling and hanging out with her how friends. How the media and stuff. can tell a story. And then what I was reading in the papers and I just, I bring that up um, just uh, spontaneously because I do remember that disconnect in my head. Cause I was kind of, when I saw her out by the pool, I was thinking like, oh, it's that, you know, it's Brittany. And I kind of had this little memory of when she was a kid and she yeah. was on Sabrina. And I was like, so I, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Understanding for Brittany hashtag. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it just, my heart goes out to what she's going through and how, how, um, you know, and even I think it was Sarah Haynes on the view was saying, she goes, I played a part in it, you know, judging her in those moments and just because the media tells a really good story and and just how overly mm-hmm. overly over sexualized and overly exposed young women girls she was a girl when she started totally. um get in this industry where you you don't always necessarily well i mean it does happen to boys too but it's very different boys get to hold on to their androgyny longer so it just was i don't know it's really good if you haven't seen it i think it gives some good insight just into the industry and the media and what we what we what we buy yeah you bet Cool. Thank you for that. We did a buddy watch and our buddy watch. I mean, we did a bunch. We did the Joe Bob's was a buddy watch as well, mm-hmm. but we also planned to watch the 2015 movie Howl. We did. It's a British independent horror film. I, um, I liked this movie. I did too. And the werewolves were awesome. <laughs> yeah. They kind of look like cavemen. They totally did. Um, I liked the creatures in this movie. I liked the characters in this movie. I liked the humor in this movie as well. And I mean, I do tend to have a English sensibility. Like I like that. Uh, I like the humor. I like how they represent things generally speaking. Um, but yeah. And it's, a, I like um, if it's done well, I like horror movies done on trains. So it's when passengers on a train are attacked by a creature, they must band together in order to survive until morning. So, you know, they're trapped. 
um, its own way of an isolation horror, I guess, because they're on the train. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like movies like that. And then it's it's you know somewhere in what is it London or whatever. So you're it, it, the weather's cold and the you know just the it's at the atmosphere. Yeah, it's got sort of a lot of the horror characters that you would want. It's a group of people. You've got like a bully. You've got a nerd. You've got the hero. You've got a um, different people and and I for me this is a bit of a hidden gem because it's got some fantasy elements it's got action certainly it's well paced the script is tight but for me if you haven't seen Howl and you like um, a werewolf movie but isolation also a little bit of humor thrown in but a good script and good creatures. Yeah, and the char- like you said, the characters are written well, so you, you somewhat connect to them a little bit. You're yeah. rooting for some of them. You totally are. You like them. You, you care about some of them. A couple of them you hate and you can't <laughs> wait to see die. Yeah, which is emotion too, right? We want to have emotions about the characters, so that's really good. Anyway, I, I think it's, it isn't one that everyone has seen, and so I would say see it. I also was able to see St. Maud. I don't know if you've seen that yet or not. Nope. It's brand new and it's kind of taking the horror world a little bit by storm. It's getting a lot of great buzz. It got a lot of critical acclaim and it's a religious horror. It's a... Uh, <laughs> I'm looking for a description. Uh, It's a debut film from writer-director Rose Glass. It's a chilling and boldly original vision of faith, madness, and salvation in a fallen world. So Maude is a a hospice nurse, and she becomes obsessed with saving this one dying patient that she has. But there's also this movie, it can either be sinister and haunting because it absolutely is i mean there's no doubt when you're watching this that it's creepy it freaks you out it's sinister it's haunting it's all those things and it's a mental health movie because i'm not going to ruin it but by the end you you like a lot of religious horror and this is why i kind of really like religious horror is you've got this god demon element and sinister stuff Mm -hmm. and then you've got the is this a mental health issue yeah question going on okay and i would recommend it i would say it's really good cool very cool please everyone see it because it's great what'd you watch uh man i watched a lot so this is the one i think i want to talk about today i watched another joe bob one called tourist trap it's an old movie from 1979 um so it's an American supernatural horror film directed by David Schmaller or Schmeller and starring Chuck Connors, Jocelyn Jones, John Van Ness, Robin Sherwood, and Tanya Roberts. The film follows a group of young people who stumble upon a roadside museum housing mannequins that wield supernatural powers. Oh, a mannequin um, movie, your favorite. Okay, this movie this movie holds up. This movie okay. holds up. It's pretty terrifying, and I think it has the same sc- Fear factor. When I was watching it, I I felt like I was watching um, something from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So when he goes to break and Joe Bob is talking, it's the same effects director as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Cool. And it's the same um, composer who did Carrie and and the original Piranha. So there's some really good people on this who made it. This movie is fucking terrifying. 
<laughs> um, so if you're someone who's afraid of dolls or afraid of mannequins, it's this, this, uh, young group of kids who, <laughs> which you are, oh, which I'm terrified. So just um, give that bias. And then right? you get like the 1970s <laughs> film lens, which is also like always really terrifying. So, you know, they, it's a young group of friends who stumble upon this house. And the very first scene, one guy gets trapped in this room and these mannequins start to come to life. They're not really coming to life, but they're, um, the person who's orchestrating this whole fun house museum, they're mechanical. So they like react in certain ways and he ends up getting killed right off the bat. And then from there, it's just, you figure out the person who's running the whole thing and how sick and twisted he is. So there's a lot of like Texas chainsaw type stuff going on. Wow. But instead of leather face, you're dealing with these terrifying demonic mannequins. <laughs> and then the, the people going crazy, not knowing if what they're seeing is real or coming to life or, I mean, it is just a mind. Tr- like I watched it, I think in two or three different pieces because with Joe Bob, you know, it's always over like three hours. Mm-hmm. I know. Scary. Oh, yeah. You know what I've realized recently um, is that mannequins are definitely like a horror subgenre. Like, it's like that uncanny valley. They're everywhere. Yeah. Um, once you kind of open up your eyes to that, like I think it started for me in Giallo, um, <laughs> where there's a lot of mannequins in Giallo. <laughs> yeah. And then you're talking about this. And so now it's kind of actually one of the things I do when I watch movies now with other people is I'm like, oh mannequin yeah <laughs> i'm like calling out the mannequins because now i'm seeing them everywhere um we should do a mannequin horror some of them are scarier than others but this one i think just really i remember watching when it was over and thinking or while i was watching it and thinking it just really still holds okay yeah I, it, you know what it gave me the same fear factors like black christmas oh sure where it made me feel like as as if someone were to try to redo this it wouldn't have the same yeah. if they tried to redo it with like the newer you know, I don't know. It Visual just effects. It, yeah, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, no. It's got to have that like vintage look mm-hmm. to it. Sure. Yeah. So the other new movie I saw was Willy's Wonderland with Nick Cage. Oh, boy. Okay. It's, okay. So it's a 2021 movie. It was also highly anticipated because um, many of us horror fans, we need nick in our horror he was like made for horror films really i mean honestly so this is a horror thriller it's a 2021 movie a quiet drifter is tricked into a janitorial job that's nick at the now condemned wally's wonderland the mundane tasks suddenly become an all-out fight for survival against wave after wave of (laughs) demonic animatronics yeah so I love this movie. <laughs> what, what is it called again? I want to look it up. Willie's what? Wonderland. Okay. So I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, I watched with uh, my friend Ice on uh, because it was brand new, and so you and know, because he loves Nick Cage, and because he loves Nick Cage, and I really, really, really like Nick Cage. And as I have said before on the show, um, cover him in blood and make him angry. And yeah, he's fun to watch. It's, it's all about, I'm all about it. Yeah. And uh, actually, Blue, one of our, uh, in our community, her name is Blue. She goes, that's her nickname. She was, actually had, just recently she posted, because uh, we have a media log on there, and she posted that she watched Mom and Dad, which is another um, rage, cage, uh, rage Cage moment. <laughs> and it's funny because I said, did you have feelings about this movie? Because she didn't, she usually posts like if she liked it or not, mm-hmm. and she didn't post anything. And I was like, 
did you like this? She's like, I'm not sure what to think about this because she's like, I blame your episode where you were talking about how, you know, uh, the rage cage and Nick, you know, Nick cage, you got to see them, blah, blah, blah. She's like, so that's why I watched it. I guess, I guess I'm assuming that's why she watched it. So she's like, I'm confused because she probably like thought it was bizarre and didn't like it or something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I don't know. She didn't say that, but anyway, one of the great things, uh, so there's things that I would recommend about this movie. If you like Nick Cage in horror, please see this movie. If you like um, possessed, demonic, um, robot thingies, if those scare you, watch this movie. If you would like to see Nick Cage hold a 90-minute movie without saying a word, mm. I would watch this movie. And... Uh, it's a tight script and it moves along and it's, there are funny parts. He's got, you know, they give him his little parts where he's Nick Cage. <laughs> uh, it's just thoroughly enjoyable. It's fun. It's a fun ride. It's not meant to be uh, Shakespeare, but it's, it's quirky and wonderful. And I would, pictures right now. I would watch it. Um, the other Nick Cage movie I actually recently saw was at Sundance. So I just wanted to wrap up the fact that I, I'm, I have completed my Sundance duties. I uh, supported the Sundance Film Festival virtually as a customer service person. Uh, normally I go in person, but uh, this year, obviously due to COVID-19 pandemic, we were online. So that was a really great experience. I'm really happy to have done it and got to see some old friends, at least on the, you know, Zoom boxes. But I also saw the movie that Nick premiered there called Prisoners of Ghostland. This is an altogether different movie. (laughs) So this particular filmmaker, well, let me just talk about, let me just say really briefly, um, Prisoners of Ghostland is also a 2021 action horror movie. Uh. What do I say about this? So the description is a notorious criminal must break an evil curse in order to rescue an abducted girl who has mysteriously disappeared. Um, the director is Sion Sono, who is famous. Uh, Bill Mosley is also in this. If, if you're a Bill Mosley fan, which I know a lot of people are, he has a role in this and he's freaking great. If you like him, he's got a few scenes, you know, watch it for that. If you like Nick, watch it for that. Uh, the interesting thing about this is that this movie is so bonkers that Nick Cage is really normal. <laughs> like I was, that was one of the things I was struck by this movie is it was because I have no context. When I go into a Sundance movie, I don't do a ton of research. I usually just try to watch at least some of the horror movies that they offer in the midnight selection. So I usually go in not knowing anything. I knew Nick Cage is in it. That's why I got a ticket. Right. So, but (laughs) if you, if you end up liking this movie, or you know the movie, um, The Forest of Love, or The Land of Hope, or um, somebody told me their favorite um, Sono movie. I can't remember the name of it, but Cold Fish. Cold Fish is another one that is, you know, screenwriter, director, etc. If you like his movies, then of course you're going to see this, and I don't even have to pitch it to you, but it's bizarre. Mm. It's in the bizarre land of things. I was looking at it. Yeah. But, you know, Nick Cage, if you're going to see the things that Nick Cage is in. But this isn't to cover Nick and blood and have him get angry one. 
But okay. but it is a horror movie. But I've never been a Nick hater. Like a lot of people love to hate him, and I I actually like him. Yeah. So I I mean I too. I wasn't crazy about like Face Off and when he was doing like there was a few in the '90s that he wasn't really making wise choices. He was just taking whatever Hollywood gave him. Well, yeah, it was his. It was a heyday for him. But he, he made a lot of money and got real famous during that. <laughs> But I mean, he the rock and and the other one, though, that he won the Oscar for. I loved um, where he plays the alcoholic. What is it called? Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. And Elizabeth Shue, her best role. She's I mean, the most. Wow. That movie blew me away. Well, and Vampire's Kiss is on streaming. right? Yeah. Now. I mean, Raising Arizona is still one of my so many favorites, good ones. But anyway, OK, I'll check it out. OK, good. I also saw a movie um, at Sundance that I wanted to mention. I saw several, but one of the ones I'm going to mention right now is a movie called Violation. Woo, this movie. What do I say about this movie? It's a drama. It's a horror movie. It is a revenge movie. It is visceral. That is what I would say about this movie. So I almost didn't get a ticket to this because I was afraid. <laughs> it was one of those movies where I was I was scooping up tickets to the horror movies, which I also saw a movie called Knocking. I saw one called Coming Home in the Dark. I was scooping up tickets to the horror stuff, and I saw this one, and I just was like, nope. <laughs> and then it came to the day of, and there were tickets available still, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. Um it presents a powerful depiction of one woman's trauma and its uncomfortable gripping aftermath. So I did watch the Q and a with, um, the star and I believe the writer director, I think they both, I think they were in it together and I believe they're a couple. And so what I would say is it's not for the faint of heart. It's also a, a rape revenge movie. I would say, you know, Kathy and I have talked a lot about rape revenge movies on the show mm-hmm. along the way. And sometimes there are ones that are that are gratuitous and they're so they're so hard to watch from a, a woman's perspective or a man who has been raped. Yeah. Um, just feeling that vulnerability is really difficult. This this movie wasn't that for me. I felt they handled it as best you can. Sure. And have that be the part of your story. But it's really what happens after that and the way the sexual aggression happens is very, very relatable, I think, to most women. And then also how it unfolds relationally is very relatable. That has some elements to it that you don't always see and mm-hmm. they seem they 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 seem very realistic and so the reason why i started out by saying visceral is because it was visceral to me it was like oh oh god oh that's really way too real you know this isn't yeah. like your 80s slasher where it's super fake right yeah. so it's like that but anyway i wanted to mention it oh and let's talk about uh clarice i i'm really liking it so far so Clarice is a TV series for those of you who don't know. <laughs> um, I, okay. So at the time of this recording, we have both watched episode one and I know that you had reached out to me immediately and said, I want, I'm going to talk about Clarice. I want to talk about Clarice. So mm-hmm. is there something in particular that you were, I hadn't watched it yet. Oh, I just, oh, I was oh. anticipating that it was going to be something <laughs> to talk about regardless of how we felt about it, because it takes place um, 
about a year after, if you've seen the film Silence of the Lambs, it takes it takes place about a year after she finds Catherine in the well with her dog, and they uh, arrest Buff or they kill Buffalo Bill. Um, and so it starts from there and, and her positioning in the FBI and, and whether they believe she's well enough or cooperative enough or competent enough to continue on. Because if you know her character, um, she she's pretty bold and she takes um, sometimes she likes to work alone. She doesn't she's incredibly brilliant. So imagine, you know, this is the 90s. You have a straight white dude who's the boss, her boss, and he's not really liking the fact that she just kind of goes on instinct and is right the majority of the time. All the while, they are trying to, you know, close this initial case that starts and um, both her male boss plus the other woman in charge uh, at the bureau are saying, listen, you need to lie and just say this was a serial killer and we've closed it up. And she basically lies to the media. I'm not giving anything away here. She basically lies or uh, doesn't lie. She basically tells the truth to the media that it is not a serial killer and this is going to be an ongoing case. So I think, um, first of all, so far, I think it was cast really well. I like the girl that's playing the woman that's playing Clarice. Um, do you have her name up by any? I don't, chance? but I'll look at it while you're going. I think she does uh, her voice really well. Her she, name is Rebecca Breeds. Yeah, she's great. Um, she has that you know young sort of innocent look that Jodie Foster had at that time. Not entirely sure of herself, even though she's incredibly brilliant. And um, I don't know. I, I I'm really liking it so far. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I like it. So coming up, we're going to do actually an episode on the Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs universe. So those, all those movies, um, this show will obviously be a small part of it as we go through because we're doing it, you know, it's going to, we're going to be doing it next month. Um, And also the Hannibal series, we've done a full episode on the Hannibal series already. So we won't talk too much about that except to throw it in there. But um I I like this universe because I liked these books. These are, you know, this this series I believe is based on The Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris and all of these this whole universe that he's built is of course really fascinating and it's right up our alley because of course Hannibal Lecter is one of those psychopaths that we've we've talked about. We've never done an actual episode on him, but that will that's what we're going to do. So as part of our episode on this universe. But I also will say that I'm, I, I think I mentioned this on the shrink chat show a few weeks ago or months ago or what have you is that they don't have, you know, they don't have the rights to make reference to or feature Hannibal Lecter in this series. So they're, t- I thought they did a really great job. This is what I was looking for is mm-hmm. I thought they really did a great job of setting up the past, the characters mm-hmm of what we already know about this world without mentioning Hannibal Lecter at all. They refer to her psychiatrist or yeah. her psychologist or her this or her that. She's like, they that ref- is not my psychologist. It's funny because like, they're not allowed to actually make reference to Hannibal Lecter, meaning mention her, that his name, but they definitely, if you know the universe, you know who they're talking about. And so it's just, and also it's got, um, if you've watched Hannibal, the series, which is, a very interesting, enjoyable watch on many levels. It's got, uh, they use some of the similar sound effects. It's got the, some of the similar. It's very similar to this. I, I got the same feeling, emotions yeah. watching it. They use um, 
Hannibal, the show Hannibal used a lot of slow-mo um, and mm-hmm. tight shots, uh, tight, uh, very close-up shots to show, you know, water in a basin or fingers or a nose or this or that or the other. So a lot of tight shots, a lot of slow-mo, and then the music has got a same ethereal feel. So it fits in the TV universe for this stuff, for sure. I like, too, that it's just really focused on her. It's There's been so much about Hannibal and, and Hannibal's a great character and they did the whole, but this is really about her. Yep. So she's literally a title. Literally. So we're going to be watching along, um, with that show. It, we might not talk about it every shrink chat, uh, because we'll probably have to catch up a few episodes and then talk about it. So I, I know that next week we probably won't talk about it, but, um, we're going to be watching along. So if you would like to watch along with Clarice, that would be awesome because we are going to talk about it. And we, if we, if we start to spoil things as the series goes on, cause that's kind of what happens when you get into it, you start to spoil things. We will say like, this is, this is now the portion of the show <laughs> where we're talking about Clarice and we'll try to do it towards the end. And if it's a spoiler, we'll let you know. So thank you so much for listening happy shrink chat day kathy thank you yeah thank you so much for listening this has been an episode of shrink chat my name is shannon and i'm kathy sleep safe everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode of shrink chat please check us out on our patreon page instagram twitter and facebook we'd love to engage with you as part of our community please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.